Welcome to a Writer in Italy podcast. I am Michelle Johnston, the host and dreamer behind this podcast. The general plan is to share a book I wrote about a trip to Italy I took about five years ago. This trip turned into the book In the Shadow of a Cyprus, an Italian adventure that I wrote shortly after. Not only will I be sharing my book, but musings on Italy, travel, inspirations, books and authors I have admired along the way. This will grow and evolve over future episodes. I had the idea to share this book as a way to honour the journey, no matter what form it takes. Women's journeys have always fascinated and inspired, so I am taking a leap in that direction. In the Shadow of a Cyprus is a book about a mother, me, who decides after many years of parenting and juggling life that she needs to recharge and make something wonderful happen for herself. It's about taking a solo journey in the middle of a happy, messy life and giving oneself the gift of travel, of seeing and being in a foreign country, of taking the time to savour the delights of the culture, the food, the vina nobile and the smorgasbord of delights that Italy is. This book is based on my personal experience and is a chapter of my journey as a woman, as a mother, as a wife, as a creative, as a writer, as an artist. In the Shadow of a Cyprus is a truthful account of what it means to be all of these things at once. This book is a weaving of diary entries and musings on Italy and life. I will at some stage publish this book, but first, as an avid audio listener, I thought this could be an interesting little experiment. And yes, it possibly needs more editing, and the first chapter I share, well, I don't know that I took a breath for the first 20 minutes, but if you can live with that and put up with my inability to speak Italian very well when I translate words, then we are on our way. I am giving this a go regardless of my fears of my voice and many other shortcomings, because really as artists, we have to take risks and trust the ideas that present themselves along the way, like creating a podcast. I would like to thank Richard, who not only composed the music accompanying my words, but put up with me raving on about going to Italy for a very long time. And also to my girls, Madeline, Grace and Olivia, who at the time were 14, 10 and 5. Thank you so much for taking it in your stride that I disappear for a bunch of weeks. Maddie's only caveat being that I could go as long as she came next time. A reasonable request, I believe. So thank you for listening and please subscribe if you enjoy coming along for the journey. You can visit my website, michellejohnston.net, for any show notes and ruminations on art, travel and life. And feel free to donate to support this podcast if that works for you. We begin in Rome and salute to honouring the cause of the spirit. Welcome to episode two and the continuation of the book In the Shadow of a Cypress and the first chapter of my adventure in Italy. So yes, it is a little episode and a bite-sized piece of the degustation menu of the Writer in Italy podcast. It's an ordinary Tuesday here and winter days have crept in and I am remedying this by sipping tea and contemplating this little project I have just begun. Although in the middle of this new beginning, I have had two big things happen in the past few months that revolve around travelling. First, we took our kids to Italy and France on their first trip abroad. Absolute magic, loved every minute. And then secondly, I was booked in to take my mum on her first trip overseas to see the Chelsea Flower Show that happens once a year in May in the city of London. 
So yes, looking up and down, mothers and daughters paving their way into the world at large. And me, somewhere in the middle, holding the reins of family life in my hands. So then, of course, if you leave Australia and make this solid 24-hour journey, you have to make the most of it. Mum and I ventured over to Paris and had wonderful days there, taking in the city's highlights, and then came back to London, visiting some beautiful open gardens like Virginia Woolf's Monk's House, Sissinghurst Castle and West Green. And later we spent some time in Scotland until we came home to face winter once again. I think later I might share some of these adventures as a little side B on the podcast. But for now, life trundles forward and I have a bunch of things to catch up on, such as this episode, my messy winter garden. I only just managed to get the first episode completed five minutes before I went travelling with mum. That was a small miracle since this is a one-woman show here or being executed on the family computer, when I can get onto it, that is. So I am a little scattered, to say the least. Coming back from England, with its abundance of late spring blossom and green-on-green landscape, there is inspiration in the wings. But first things first, respite and a little time to review and integrate these past few months. When I was sitting on the plane on the way home, I noticed the film Under the Tuscan Sun in the travel films. I thought I might watch it it again when I got back home as it never fails to delight me even after all of these years. Then I heard this quote in the movie, you have to live spherically in many directions. Never lose your childish enthusiasm and things will come your way. A quote by the master filmmaker Fellini himself. And perhaps that will be the tone for this sharing, this podcast, to live spherically in many directions. This podcast will be littered with details on Italy, travels, My life as a writer, a seeker, an artist, a mother, a gardener and a homemaker. I love being here at home in my yellow house where the travels will come and go, but the foundation is in truth living here and the choices I make along the way to live this rich and treasured creative life. I hope it resonates with you or takes you on a new journey of your own making. And now to part two, a day in Rome, the eternal beautiful city. Rome has so much to offer the curious visitor. You can simply walk around the city stumbling into ruins and ancient sites, or sip coffee walking from piazza to piazza, counting the fountains you find along the way. You can visit the many fabulous museums and galleries and historic landmarks. The city is endless and in so many ways an open-air museum. And when you are worn from walking on the cobbled streets, you can stop and sample the delights of the Roman cuisine. I cannot wait to go back and do it all over again. So, to part two, take the gun, leave the cannoli, or buy a ticket, take a risk. The silver olive trees on Palantine Hill are divine. I am so glad I bought a ticket into this ancient site. It is worn, beautiful, and very spacious. Even with groups of tourists, it is a place you can take your time and enjoy the beauty of nature and the Roman architecture dating back thousands of years. I am sitting on a wooden seat under a long row of olive trees. The ground is littered with squashed black olives from people walking daily along these paths. I have always loved the cypress tree. At the home, I search them out in gardens and in rural landscapes. On Palatine Hill, there are sweeps of cypress amongst ancient olives and ruins. It has been a great walk here this morning, an adventurous start to my day. After another generous buffet breakfast at Hotel Navona, 
I packed my bag ready for departure this afternoon and checked times for trains to Oviedo. I was nervous and excited for the day, knowing it is my first train journey out of the city. I plan to make my way around Italy on Trenitalia. I'm curious to how it will go. I pray for no train strikes in the next 20 days. I know Italy is renowned for them and recall a winter's morning 16 years ago. Richard and I, with absolutely no appropriate language skills, trying to have a conversation with the station master at Pontremoli Station. Eventually, we, were, we worked it out that the 5.30 train to Rome had been cancelled. After 15 minutes of stilted conversation, much gesticulating and shaking of heads with the station master, non capisco, we worked it out. I left this morning, walking towards the Colosseum, map and camera in hand, down the busy main road, Corso Vittorio Emanuele. I crossed over the road and noticed fenced-off historic remnants of an ancient forum, stairs, a temple, and what is known to be the remains of Julius Caesar's theatre. This may be every day for an Italian, yet as an Australian with a complicated, colonised past, this ancient architecture seems to me like forever ago and looks absolutely beautiful. I sat on the seat for a while on Via di Dori, Argentina, taking all of it in. I gaze up noticing a young girl, probably waiting to go to school this Tuesday morning, and felt a surge of excitement and adventure. I realised the truth of the matter is I need to see things and I need to do things that are spontaneous and fun. Right here at this historic site, I am remembering why it is so good to just get out of your comfort zone and open to the possibility of a different day, a new adventure and a moment unlike any other. The irony of this location is it was only discovered when a church was knocked down with planning permission to create a set of high-rise apartments once the area was flattened. This development was obviously thwarted once the discovery of the significant Roman remains and now a guarded and fenced-off benefactor of the past for all Romans to wander around daily. Of course, on busy roads and having no idea what I'm doing, once again, I find myself at the crossroads where I have to make the big decisions regarding direction. I managed to walk the long way around after nearly being killed on the longest pedestrian ever, somewhere near the huge monument on Via Teatro Macello. After facing death in the face, I noticed some old temple ruins standing out in the distance, yet again decide against the obvious and walk down Teatro Macello onto Via Petroselli, finding myself eventually after regaining some composure beside the River Tiber. I know straight away that this is definitely out of my way. Yet on a positive note, I overhear a tourist guide on a bike mention to his group that across the street of Ponte Fabrizio is the Jewish synagogue. I take note because I would like to visit the old Jewish ghetto area while I am here. It is best to take all of this in my stride, and I do. It is time for a rest and a cappuccino, as I know it is still considered acceptable by the natives to order one before 11 o'clock. I once read in a book by an Italiano that some Italian folk believe it unethical after 10 in the morning. I would take the chance anyway. At some point, I see a group of schoolchildren walking al alongside a Francescan monk in traditional robe in a similar direction to me. Well, what I am assuming might be the right direction, time will tell. I decide to cross the road when they do, safety first. No sane Italian would risk hitting a Francescan monk after all. A coffee hit, I believe, is overdue. 
This is when I sight a little hole-in-the-wall coffee shop with standing room only, filled with locals on San Teodoro. I wait a little while for it to empty and walk in with my heart beating rapidly. I decide I will have to order in Italian. I repeat the words in my head. Per favore, un cappuccino e napoli cannoli grazie. Suddenly, it is my turn after watching people taking their espressos and cappuccinos, and off I go sputtering the words out in a similar fashion to my thinking. And then the bomb goes off. He asks me a question in Italian. Shit, I think. I have no idea what he's asking me. My dumb expression translates. He asks me in perfect English, do you want the small cannoli or the large cannoli? Si, piccolo, grazie, I reply, requesting the small one. I pay him with my five euros, having no idea the cost. He hands me back two euros fifty. This, I know, is the standing room price. If I sat outside on a chair, it would be double. I am relieved and thrilled. I take my two little plates and stand next to the side table, resting my order on the bench. Within two bites and three sips, I am done. An Italian cappuccino is rarely a hot beverage and very creamy. The coffee bar is once again packed with people. I begin to walk out of the door and a handsome young Italian man in a suit says to me in English, You should try the dolce, the sweets. Nodding my head, I respond, Si, si. I did. Bella. I float outside with a big smile on my face and cross the road and sit outside the church of San Teodoro, a Greek Orthodox church with the largest pots of olive trees I have ever seen. After drinking half a bottle of water and reorganising my wallet and bag, check passport, check wallet, check iPhone, happy and happy, I walk into the church and have a little look around. It is quiet and almost empty. I notice scaffolding on the left wall. There are a number of people restoring a room on the second level, even a nun at work. I was looking for a candle to light and make an offering when I noticed a middle-aged Italian woman dip her fingers in a basin of holy water and touch her head and the four directions of the cross. After she wanders away, I find myself spritzing myself with the holy water even though I can see a few bits of something or another floating on top. I touch my heart and pray quickly and reverently that I trust my heart and my intuition as I travel. I pick up a small card of the beloved saint and tuck it into my bag for safekeeping. I thank Mother Mary for her presence because that is what you do when you're in Italy. Admittedly, I am pushing myself, but why go to another country and travel over 24 hours and not make an effort? Every time I challenge myself, I experience the thrill of it, and that is the ultimate buzz. I guess for me, that is why I deep down preferred to come alone, to observe, to figure it out and to rely on myself. Resilience is a good thing and it is easy as a woman, a mother and a wife to lose that skill over time. I now realise there is little chance of me catching the 103 train to Orvieto and let the plane go. After wandering the site of Palatine Hill and meandering past the beautiful and grand old Colosseum, I make my way past many tourists and back to the Jewish ghetto. From Via del Portico de Tavia, I find a local Jewish restaurant called Bar Ghetto Roma and order some authentic Jewish Roman cuisine. I read on the menu that kosher food is the meeting point for the sacred and the daily. This intrigues me and I take notes from the inside of the menu. I am the only one sitting outside at the tables. I don't mind, it must be early for pranzo, lunch by Italian standards. This piazza I am sitting in is named Piazza Five Scole. 
meaning the piazza with literally five schools in it. I can see the building next to me has three levels. I can hear the children's voices floating out into the piazza. Many locals are sitting on seats, chatting and holding their bags of groceries. I love the liveliness of Italians. They're not quite or timid people. They're friendly and open, and it seems very sociable. I cannot believe it. I look to my right, where there is a little side street, and sight what I believe to be is the Chanel girl from yesterday. I look at her in her electric blue dress, looking fabulous to say the least, and not dissimilar to yesterday's H&M with pleats on short skirt. Although she has a new do, her hair has been cut shorter, and she has a small black bag over her shoulder. I am convinced it is the same woman, although I am sort of embarrassed to see her again. She is walking toward me. I stick my head in my journal and pretend I have not seen her. A minute later, I look up and she has turned and walked back the other way she came. She is walking fast too. I wonder if she saw me sitting here. I am sitting out here alone and the only person at a table right in front of the side street. Unbelievable. I am on the other side of Rome. I am stunned and start sipping the Vina Bianco. A white wine is definitely called for. My entree arrives. The Fiore di Zucca Repleno di Ricotta al Somone Affumicato. I am eating stuffed zucchini blossoms with salmon and ricotta. Divine. I am mellow and writing furiously in my journal of the morning's events. Then the pasta course arrives. It is steaming hot just the way I like it. I have ordered finfurli alle brecchia con spigola e picchino. This is a Jewish style finfurli pasta with sea bass and cherry tomatoes. It is close to the best pasta I have eaten in my life. I finish it all up and sop up all of the leftover sauce with the bread from the little basket in front of me. After two white wines and a glass of aqua minerale, I am ready to walk back to the hotel to relinquish my luggage and begin the next part of my adventure. Oviedo, here I come. I managed to make the 340 train to the Umbrian town of Oviedo. After lugging my bag down four flights of stairs, it was good to get to the bus back to Termini Station. Feeling a little more seasoned, the bus ride is a decent 20-minute journey to the main railway station. Moving through the city on a tightly packed bus inflates my excitement. I wonder to myself what is going to happen in the next few weeks as this journey unfolds. There is a sense of possibility humming away. I feel excited. I have booked my last night in Rome for departure at the same hotel. I hope they change my room. The breakfast organisation is loud and super busy next door. Feeling slightly sunburnt, tired and sweaty after all the walking today, I am leaning on my bag in the train and writing in my journal. I am hoping I don't smell too much as the, this first class cabin doesn't really equate to the stinky traveller with oversized luggage bag vibe. The man next to me is scrunching his newspaper about. I am getting the feeling he is a little annoyed. He is wearing a crumpled pale cream linen suit. The jacket is hanging on the hook next to the window. Next stop, there is a bit of a commotion as some gypsies are thrown off the train. The lady across the compartment starts talking in some fast Italian to the train conductor as he walks past. I got the impression, even from my limited Italian vocabulary skills, that the train was full and too bad. She got up and moved. And then when the linen jacket man got up to leave, I apologised. Mi dispiace, mi dispiace. I am sorry. And a torrent of Italian came flying at me, telling me something indecipherable. I laughed as it washed all over me, none the wiser. 
although I felt a little better for it, my bag was in the way. I admit I could have sat elsewhere, but you know, I paid for my first class compartmento. C'est la vie, that's life. And I'm a bit too exhausted to care. I just want to sit back and enjoy the scenery outside the window all the way to Orvieto. I did have a laugh this afternoon. On the way back to the hotel on Via Lago di Torria Giardina, two lost Asian tourists asked me where the Palazzo Venezia was. I immediately responded, showing them on the map where we were and which way to go. They were very thankful. Wow, I am learning fast. I always take it as a compliment when people ask you for directions. They obviously trust you enough by your looks and demeanour. And a good sign, I tell myself. I will take anything like this as a good sign that I am doing all right. And there we are. My apologies where my reading is a bit up and down with sound and pronunciation. It's a really big learning curve, this podcast business, and it takes a lot of time to edit and write and listen and read. So until next time, Orvieto, the next chapter. The quote from My House in Umbria, the film. I have a great talent for perseverance.